Our scripture reading today comes from John 10, 1 through 21. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters my, by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has bought all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was trying to say. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep do not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I come that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He is who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd, for the reason the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I received from my Father. There was given again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, there are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? This is the word of the Lord. Be seated, please. Well, before we start our sermon today, I want us to pray together for our community and for our, our mission as a church. So uh, whether you're here in person or you're joining us online, let's bow our heads and let's pray together. Father, in your wisdom and in your design, we who follow Jesus are citizens of heaven, longing for a reality that is still hidden, and citizens of this world. The world Jesus loves and died to save, but is still broken and groaning for redemption. And so we groan and lament now for the ongoing injustice against the unborn in our country. We are broken by the brokenness of your world, 
And we pray for healing and justice and mercy for the most vulnerable. We pause to pray for our states, Kansas and Missouri. And as our political system plays out, give us wisdom and insight or give wisdom and insight to our leaders to do justice and to love mercy. To fulfill their responsibilities with integrity and excellence. And give us, your church, compassion and grace, Father, and strength to continue in our mission. No matter what laws pass or do not pass, your kingdom will come and your will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We ask in particular this morning for your continued protection for the unborn and for families in crisis because you love them all. And may your church love them too. We love you, Father, and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have been with us these last few weeks, you know we're in the Gospel of John. We've been there for a while now. And uh, we come now to a passage where, I don't know if you picked up on it, but there's a lot of farming imagery. There's, there's sheep and shepherds. Now, I didn't grow up on a farm. Uh, if you were here a few weeks ago when Pastor Don was preaching, uh, she talked all about farms. I don't know anything about farms, okay? I grew up in the suburbs, so, you know. But I have heard a rumor that sheep are really dumb. Uh, I, that I know. And you can train them for months on how to get out of their pen, how to get back in their pen. You can give them the daily routine that they need to get their water and to get their feed and all of that stuff. And then one day out of the blue, they act like they have no idea how to live or how to get around. And when they get stuck or they get in trouble, they seem to have very little capability to, of getting themselves back out of trouble. And then, of course, when they get out of trouble, they do this. We've shown that, I don't know, five times, and I, I still can't get over how funny that is. So... All that to say, when you first hear Jesus in our passage today, you may find yourself slightly offended because Jesus claims to be our shepherd, which means that you and I are this. We are sheep. Now, I don't think Jesus thinks that we're stupid, but I do think he's pointing out that humans have some striking similarities to sheep. In fact, a study out of the University of Leeds, uh, has in some ways confirmed this. This was done back in 2008. And the study demonstrated that in a crowd of people, if as little as 5% of that crowd starts to do something, like move a certain direction, it will not take much time for the rest to soon follow. This doesn't mean we're dumb, but it does mean we're vulnerable. And this, I think, is Jesus' point. We are vulnerable to our own need to fit in, to go along with the crowd, to seek safety in numbers, and we are vulnerable to misdirection. Or as Jesus will put it, we are vulnerable to bad shepherds. And here, we can begin to understand that, I, that Jesus is right about us because anyone who has seen someone or been that someone in a toxic relationship and wondered why do they keep going back to that person, that that relationship? Why do they, don't they see how bad this is for them? Don't they understand? 
or a bad boss who everybody knows is misleading and is lying or is manipulating their team or their subordinates, but no one does anything about it. They just go along with the flow. They don't want to rock the boat. Or perhaps bad political leaders and politicians who play to our worst instincts and prejudices, who get us to turn on each other, to form tribes of of us versus them, who make false promises that if we just stick with our tribe that we'll be good, we'll be right, we'll be safe, and we'll never be alone. Or bad pastors, which is really what Jesus is focusing on in this passage. Spiritual leaders, religious leaders who mislead or abuse or use or manipulate and then ultimately abandon their flocks. And I hate to say this, but stories like that have become sad or sadly more, more common these last days, these days. So Jesus has a particularly harsh word for these kinds of people, these bad shepherds. And in John 9, just before our passage today, it's specifically the Pharisees who were religious teachers at this time who end up being blind to who Jesus is and what he can do. We talked about that last week. And that's why today Jesus continues that theme and has the harshest words for them. And throughout the passage, if you really pay attention, he describes bad shepherds as as strangers, as thieves, as robbers who kill and steal and destroy the sheep. He calls them hired hands who abandon the sheep at the first sign of trouble. And if uh, we were reading the whole Bible straight through, we we would be reminded from Jesus' words, of the book of Ezekiel in the Old Testament, chapter 34, where the prophet speaks for God about Israel's leaders then and how they were bad shepherds. And to be sure, this passage is a warning to us about bad shepherds. It is that. But more fundamentally, I think, it is an invitation to the good shepherd. That's what Jesus says about himself in verse 11. The good shepherd who doesn't hurt who doesn't mislead, who doesn't abandon. And we need a shepherd like him. We need a good shepherd who isn't like these other people. A good shepherd who is willing to lay down his life for the sheep. So if you have your Bibles, I want us to turn to John chapter 10. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John's the fourth book in your New Testament. Chapter 10. And Jesus does three things as our good shepherd that no one else can do. So I want us to take a look. This is verse one. Let me reread this. Truly, truly, I say to you, Jesus says, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. Now, probably most of us aren't super familiar with with ancient shepherding practices. um, And that's okay. You're still welcome here if you're... We're all learning, but generally speaking, if you owned sheep at this time, you would build a pen, uh, basically against the house or against a group of houses, with a stone wall that would enclose the pen, and usually more than one family would keep their sheep together, and many of these pens would have a door. They would have a place for the sheep to easily get in and out, and that door could be guarded by a gatekeeper. That's what Jesus means here in verse 3. Jesus is pointing out that anyone trying to sneak past the gatekeeper is not the true shepherd of the sheep. 
Only someone up to no good is trying to sneak past that person. The good shepherd walks in through the front door. Nothing to hide, nothing. And here's the real proof of who he is. He says this, verse 3. The sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name. And he leads them out. So Jesus says here, you know I am your good shepherd. Because I know you by name know you by name. You may not know, Jesus says, everything about me, but I know everything about you. I know your name, and I call you by it, and I can lead you in and out. I can lead you to green pastures and still waters, and I can bring you back in where you're safe and where you belong. I don't just lead you. I know you. Early in our marriage, uh, Rebecca and I lived in Chicago, and we volunteered at an event for this amazing nonprofit. It's called IJM, International Justice Mission. Maybe you're familiar. They do amazing work all over the world. And uh, Rebecca had worked there for about a year uh, in Washington, D.C., before we got engaged, and, and, we, and she moved to Chicago. And so we're setting up beforehand this, this event, and, and mind you, this is a huge event. I mean, there are hundreds, maybe a thousand people coming to this event. Lots of moving parts, lots of details. And the CEO walks in. Now, this is hours before the event, right? He's got a lot to do to get ready. He founded IJM. He's an amazing person. He built this organization truly from a handful of people now to thousands of employees and offices all over the globe. He's actually spoken here at Christ Community before. His name is Gary Haugen. Now, he just happens to walk by Rebecca and I, and we're like, I don't know, setting up a table with merchandise, or I, I have no idea. He walked right up to us and said, Rebecca, is this the guy who stole you away from us? Well, you know, he said it with a smile, but it's a good question. Uh, (laughs) Why did Rebecca leave that job for me? I don't know. Um, It's a good question. But to this day, to this day, and this was over 10 years ago, we marvel that he knew her name. He knew her name. And he remembered not only her work, but also why she left. He knew her. And as impressive as that is still to me, it is nothing compared to Jesus, our good shepherd. He knows knows your name in this room. He knows your name. And he isn't just interested in you if when he happens upon you or your paths cross, but he pursues you. You. He chases you when you stray When you run, when you lose your way. You've perhaps heard the famous parable Jesus gives of the shepherd with a hundred sheep who leaves the 99 to find the one who's lost her way. Here in John 10, Jesus presses the point home. That one is not just anyone, it's you. And it's me. And he knows our name. And there's no one beyond his care and concern And Jesus will say later, this is verse 16, he says, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. Now he's being a little cryptic here. He doesn't explain what he means because he knows that at this point in his ministry, no one would believe what he was saying. Here he has what? A few hundred Jewish followers at this time, if that? But he's hinting here that the Gentiles too, 
that the Greeks and the Romans and then the Asians and the Europeans and then the Africans and the Latin Americans, that the people from every tribe and tongue and nation who are not of this fold, that they too will know his voice. And he knows their names. He's saying, I know you and I know people who if I told you now that they will join you in this flock, you wouldn't believe me. You wouldn't believe me. And I needed this reminder that there are people that Jesus is still drawing in and calling by name. That if he told us, we would not believe him. He is the good shepherd who calls the atheist by name. Who calls the Muslim by name. And the Hindu and the Buddhist. And he invites all of us into his fold if only we enter by him. And when we do, when we respond to his call, he promises to protect us from evil. This is verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. And then in verse 17, For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. So Jesus is warning us that surrounding us, all of us, are wolves and thieves and robbers, rebels, who wish to do us harm. He's speaking now not only of of bad shepherds, but even of the evil one himself, Satan, our adversary, whom Jesus has talked about already in the Gospel of John, whose only goal is to deceive and to destroy. And unlike the bad shepherds who talk a big game, but are gone the moment that their own lives or even just their reputations or their finances or their convenience are at risk. Jesus, the good shepherd, says, I lay down my life for the sheep. And earlier in this passage, Jesus calls himself not only the good shepherd, but the door. He says, I am the door of the sheep. That's verse 7. And there's, a, there's an author named Kenneth Bailey who writes a lot about the ancient agrarian world into which the New Testament was written, and in particular, into which Jesus taught, which is a world foreign to many of us, right? We we don't think the way that they do. We don't have the same images that that they do. So he wrote a book called The Good Shepherd, where he helps develop the idea of sheep and shepherding that Jesus is is so drawn to in these passages. And he lets us know, he, he clues us in that these two images, the shepherd and the door, are not nearly as distinct and different as they appear to the modern mind. And for many shepherds at this time, the entryway where the sheep would go in and out did not have a formal gate. It didn't have a, you know, a white picket fence that swung in and out. It didn't have a swing gate. In fact, often the shepherd himself would lay down across the opening, would be the door that kept the sheep in and the wolves out. We need that protection. 
Whatever our thoughts about Jesus may be right now, whatever you believe as you walk through these doors, we know that there are deceptions and lies and dangers in the world and even within us that we need protection from. We need desperately for someone to take care of us. We cannot do this thing we call life on our own. And let me tell you, if you don't know that yet, you will. You will. We will have moments in each of our lives where we come face to face with something truly evil or deep betrayal or devastating disappointment or pain like abandonment or abuse or even death itself where we can no longer hide the fact that we are weak. That we cannot do it. Cannot save ourselves. That we are like sheep alone in the dark surrounded by wolves. But, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And whatever costs, up to my very life, I will protect you. I will save you. I can do it. And it may not always look easy or the way we want it to. But despite the great evil and brokenness and pain in the world, Jesus can protect. And he will not abandon This is his last point here about the good shepherd. Jesus holds us and never lets go. Now the way John tells this story, it can be a little confusing. Jesus makes this last point much later than the first two, even though the topic of conversation really flows uh, quickly. So in verse 22, John lets us know that now... Jesus is speaking during the Feast of Dedication. Before this moment, the last kind of time indicator we got, Jesus was at the Feast of Lights, which took place in what we would call the fall season. And now the Feast of uh, Lights is in, or uh, Dedication is in the winter months. So there's been a few months that have passed by. But again, the Jewish authorities are asking Jesus to prove he is who he says he is. And Jesus will say back to them, this is verse 25, I told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me, but you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Jesus says, if you know me, if you follow me, I hold you in my hands, and no one, nothing, can snatch you away. Now we are learning increasingly as we study the human person that our most basic instinct as human beings is not fight or flight. We do not leave the womb as infants ready to run or punch someone. In fact, we can do neither of those things. Instead, literally, the first thing we do is look for a face that is happy to see us and hands to hold us that we'll never let go. That is what we long for. That is what we're looking for. But even the best parents cannot be the good shepherd. Even the best parents disappoint, fail, and hurt us. And even the best parents get sick and pass on. Even the best parents eventually let go. And this is true for all of our human relationships. The best friends, the best spouses, the best children, whoever, They cannot hang on forever. 
This is one of those painful lessons we learn along the way of life, but there is one who will not let go. There is one. There is someone who says to us, when you are in my hands, if you allow me, I can hold you, even from death. I can give you eternal life, and no one and nothing can take you away from me. And it is these hands, and make no mistake, John wants us to make this connection. It is these hands that spun up the universe, that placed the atoms, that wrought the stars, that holds up reality itself, that sustains all things. The hands that painted the most beautiful sunsets you've ever seen. The hands that formed you and I in the womb, knit us together, stitch by stitch. The hands, too, that stretched out on Calvary's hill pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities, are in fact the same hands that we have been looking for our whole lives. And when they find us, they do not let go. In the silent griefs that no one else understands, in the unspoken fear that we all have that one day no one will be there to help us, that we might collapse under the weight of evil that surrounds us or that flows from us. In the darkest of hours, the most vicious wolves that this life can surround us with, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And I know your name. And I lay down my life for you. And I hold you. And I do not let go. So do you know his voice? Do you know his voice? Do you hear him now? Do you know that he knows you? That he longs to protect you? That he's ready to hold you? And perhaps you are here. And you have no good shepherd. Maybe that's why you're here. And the people and the relationships that used to guide you and comfort you, they have let you down. They have failed you. Even misled you. Perhaps you find yourself lost and alone. And the answers that you had no longer comfort or sustain you. My question for you, do you hear the good shepherd? Do you hear him calling your name? Calling you to submit to him, yes, but to find your rest in him. Will you let him make you lie down in green pastures and lead you beside still waters and restore your soul? You can simply pray to him now. And his hands, you'll, you can feel his hands begin to hold your life. Do you, if you're already one of his flock, do you know his voice well enough from the others in this world that long to distract you and pull you away? Do you make time to be quiet and unhurried in the presence of your good shepherd? I want to be straightforward this morning. That there are practical ways we can grow and know Jesus' voice. And one of the most basic ones is to slow down long enough to listen, to hear. So this week, I want to encourage you, if you're, if you're not already doing this as a regular practice, I want to invite you to set aside time to be still and to be quiet 
and to hear his voice. We have a great tool for you to help you in this journey. It's called The Formed Life. You can sign up on our website. There are journals out in our lobby. If it's helpful to you, open your Bible. Read slowly and carefully, not just for the sake of information, but to hear and know the voice of your good shepherd. Saturate your eyes and your ears with his word, and you will hear him. And not only will you hear him, you will learn to love his voice and to long for it, even to submit to it wherever he may lead, even if that path at times feels like the deepest valley of the shadow of death, because you know he is with you always. This is his promise. And we know he's with us always. We know something that even the people Jesus spoke to here did not. We know Jesus is with us always when he says to us at his table, this is my body broken for you. This is my blood shed for you. The good shepherd did lay down his life for the sheep. He does save us in this life and the next. And he is coming again to set all things right. These are what we remember and celebrate at his table when we take communion together, which we're going to do here in a minute. Now, if you are here and you are not part of his flock or you aren't sure, we are so glad that you're here that you trusted us enough to be here with us. But if that's you, I want to invite you during this next moment to stay where you are. You honor us and our tradition by not receiving these elements. And instead, I want to encourage you, it's okay to stay where you are and to pray to, you, to our good shepherd. Ask him to speak to you. Ask him to reveal to you where he's already chasing after you this week. Now, if you're here and you are, Jesus is your good shepherd, you are in his flock. After I pray here in just a minute, there are stations all around this room. To my extreme left over here is a gluten-free station if you need that. Otherwise, find the station closest to you. Come in groups of six to eight and receive together the reminder of our good shepherd laying down his life for us. When you gather, you will receive the bread and you'll dip it in the cup as the precious promise of Jesus' sacrifice is spoken over you. And I want to encourage you to wait until everyone is served and then you'll take those elements together as sheep in one flock and one shepherd and one voice and one family. As we prepare to receive these elements, would you pray with me? Jesus, our good shepherd, we remember now Whatever we brought in with us today, we remember now that your body was broken for us, that your blood was shed for us, and that when you hold us in your hands, you will never let go. As we come to your table, may we feel your presence. May we sense your love. May we remember your sacrifice. And may we be empowered by your Holy Spirit to be your hands and feet in the world. Remind us now that you know our names. As we come to your table, Jesus, we love you. We pray in your name. Amen. Whenever you're ready, please come.